I love that, that passage in Isaiah 6. Because it says in the year that King Uzziah died, and now King Uzziah, we quickly pass over that, he was king for 52 years. And in many ways he was, the Bible says that he was a good king, which was pretty rare for the nation of Israel. And so for 52 years they had this king who was seeking the Lord in everything that he did, and then all of a sudden he passes away. After 52 years he passes away. I imagine if that happened in our day today. Stability for 52 years. Um, a person who loved the Lord, sought him with all that, that he was all of a sudden in, in control, passed away. I mean, that would have caused some sort of a turmoil amongst the people. After 52 years of stability, all of a sudden, the king that they had is no longer there. But then I love the picture that Isaiah sees up and in heaven, and it says this. It says, the Lord was not frantically pacing back and forth. The Lord wasn't freaking out going, what do I do now? No, the Lord was seated on his throne. And I love that. I love that picture because there can be instability and insecurity in our lives. But regardless of what uh, we see in the instability and security of our lives, we have a God who is seated on the throne. And then this is my translation saying, I got it. Everything's under control. And to me, that is an amazing picture, and we're going to dive into this this morning, that uh, the reality that we're here at Moran Park Church at 1032 on a Sunday morning. And this is what we see, and this is what we know, but there's a whole other realm that we don't see that is just as real. There is a spiritual world, there is a natural world, and so often, I believe, we neglect to engage in that which is more real than the natural, and that's the spiritual. And so the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 10, he touches on this, and this is what we want to dive into this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Last couple of weeks, we've been talking about generosity, and in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 10, Paul now says this. He says, Now I, Paul, appeal to you with gentleness with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away, well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I want to read verses 3 through 5 one more time. Paul says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. In year 10 of my marriage, the Lord threw us a little curveball. I at that time had three beautiful daughters and was very content, very happy 
being a dad of all girls. I didn't need, you know, to have a son. I didn't go around, and people would ask, you have three girls, or are you going to continue to try until you have a son? And I was fully content on having three girls. Then in year 10, CC, my wife, came to me one day and said, uh, we're pregnant. We went to the 20-week ultrasound, and they did what they usually do with the ultrasound, and I was there, and I was watching the screen, and we found out if we were going to, we did it with all the kids except one, found out if we're going to have a boy or a girl, and I remember the ultrasound technician looking at the child and then said, I'll say it this way, typed on the screen, boy parts. <laughs> My wife started hitting the arms of the ultrasound technician who we knew really well. And she's like, shut up, don't lie to me, no way. And I can remember in that moment, thinking like my world has changed. All of a sudden we went from having three girls, totally for the most part understanding how to be a dad of girls, to now all of a sudden being a dad of a boy. And that is completely different now that I am seven years in. And here's how it's different. When I walk in the house, and I love my son Zane, when I walk in the house, I have learned that I have to be on guard at every moment. <laughs> he loves Nerf guns, and I may, or any of his sisters or his mom, may be standing in the kitchen when all of a sudden a little Nerf bullet goes flying past our heads. We have to be aware that at any moment something like that may happen. I also have to be aware that if I am taking a nap, that I may at some point in my nap be woken up by a flying Zane going through the room and landing on me because he likes to wrestle. One time I was taking a nap and I woke up just at the moment as he was loading up his elbow and flying through the sky to get me. <laughs> it's true. He'll just out of nowhere come and punch me. And, you know, just we, the, the rougher I am with him, the more he enjoys it. That is completely different than the girls. There was some roughhousing with the girls, but with Zane, it is completely different. And I have learned that I have to be aware, and so do his sisters, and so do his mom, at all times. There is, you know, a little bit of friendly back and forth and struggle back and forth, little uh, battle being waged between me and Zane, and it is all fun. But I often wonder, as I was thinking about this week, as I, when I go into my house, when I, as I step into that space, I am, aware, I am aware, firmly aware of a reality. And I wonder at, for us, as followers of Jesus, how often are we aware of that same reality, that we are in a battle, that there is a spiritual battle, that there is a struggle going back and forth. And Paul talks about this throughout the New Testament. He says our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It isn't against other people. It is against principalities and powers of this dark world. He goes on to say, and he says there's two different kingdoms. There's a kingdom of, of light. There's a kingdom of darkness. And the ruler of the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, has blinded people so that they can't see the glory and the beauty of Christ. He goes on to say, he says, fight the good fight. Suffer as a good soldier for Jesus. And Paul, at the end of his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have won the race. 
How often do we realize that we are engaged in a spiritual battle? See, the Christian life is not about like life on a playground. It is more consistent with that of a battleground. And I often, how, how often do we think about that? How often are we engaged in that reality? I would say most of the people all across the world in other countries, they are firmly aware that this world is spiritual. And they say just on the side is there's a little natural part where us in the West, in America, we have a weakness in thinking that this, what we can see and what we can feel is all there is. And we think there's just a little spiritual side. Paul is saying as he's talking about weapons and the fact that we fight not with worldly weapons or as fight waging war as humans do, we use God's mighty weapons. He is tapping into something that is so central, so key for him is that we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. Now, there have been times in my life when I have been firmly aware of that. Years ago, I went on a, a mission trip, and we were in a remote village, and we were sharing the gospel and praying with people, and I remember packing up our things out of this village, and we were traveling to another location, and some of the locals started sharing with us that there were thieves and people hiding out in the bushes who were going to stop our vehicle and take everything that we had. At that moment, I was keenly aware that I am in a spiritual battle. That my battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this dark world. And so we were in this van and we were praying and crying out to the Lord and singing and worshiping because we were aware that we were in a spiritual battle. At that time, I was keenly attuned to that. But I confess that normally, I am not that aware of the spiritual battle that's taking place. I can go through my day-to-day -day life, become complacent, and forget that there is an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, an enemy who wants me and my life to become complacent, that there's a battle being waged for my heart and for my mind, and the same is happening with you. I don't ever want us to underestimate the reality that we face, that we are in a spiritual battle, that there is an enemy, that there is one who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for people to devour that he is an accuser, waging threats and just thoughts, waging war in our minds with accusations night and day. Now, as I say that we're in a spiritual battle, I have also met people who blame everything on a spiritual battle. Sometimes they think, well, I'm being attacked by the enemy in this way and that way. Sometimes the mess that we have made is a result of our sin and the decisions that we have made. But I don't want to neglect the reality that there is a battle over your heart and my heart. And the cool thing is we don't have to be afraid of this. We have to be aware, but we don't have to be afraid because we don't have to be afraid because the enemy has been defeated. And it's what we sung about already this morning. The enemy has been defeated. Jesus destroyed him, conquered him by, by his death on the cross. Jesus, that's the very reason that he came. He came to destroy the works of the devil and one day... He will be destroyed forever. And the good news is for us, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to walk around on this earth being filled with fear because greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in the world. And the cool thing is, according to this passage, Paul has not just, he's saying, God hasn't just, you know, said, hey, here you go, have fun. No, he has given us weapons, divine weapons, godly weapons, to destroy, annihilate totally get rid of strongholds and arguments and anything that comes in opposition to, to God and his kingdom. And I was thinking, what kind of opposition 
What kind of strongholds did Paul encounter in his day? They had a lot of thoughts about who he was. They had a lot of messed up thinking about who he was and about the gospel. And they were complaining that Paul was weak and was suffering a lot. And it's interesting, the strongholds, the things that he talks about all have to do with the mind. And I think Paul here is highlighting something that is so important for us to consider today and every day. Is that often the battle that is waged happens in our minds. There's a battle over our mind. And the enemy knows that if he gets us to lose focus, if he gets us to think about other things to be distracted, then there's a real possibility that we're going to lose faith. Our minds take up 2% of our bodies. 2% of our bodies, but they require 20% of our energy. It's so amazing that something so small controls so much of our lives. But what I have found in my own life personally and in so many other people's lives is whatever gets into our minds gets us. Whatever gets into our minds gets us. And so there is a battle that is being waged in our thoughts, in the, the ideas, the things that come into our minds, the things that we think about. And so Paul is saying here, we have been given weapons to destroy those, to annihilate those, to demolish those. What thoughts have you allowed to control your mind? What thoughts have you allowed to play on endless repeat in your mind? Thoughts that are not in favor to the kingdom of God and of Jesus. What thoughts, what things do you have playing over and over and over again in your mind? So often when we have those, and I've talked to many people who struggle with that, people have said, well, just don't think about those things. Just push them aside. And I would look at them and say, that is so easy for you to say. Because the battle is so real in our minds. And so this morning, I want to talk and have a conversation about how do we get our minds to mind? How do we get control of our minds? And what about those strongholds and those thoughts, thoughts and those barricades that have been built around our hearts and our minds that, are, that have been there for so long? What do we do with those? How do we destroy those? How do we demolish those? What are the things that we need to be doing? Because Paul said that we have been given God's mighty weapons to destroy, to demolish strongholds and false arguments and anything that comes against people knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would say the key is this. It's in verse 5. It says, We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I like how the ESV puts it, a different version puts it. It says, Take every thought captive to Christ. Take every thought captive to Christ. If you have your own Bible, I encourage you to underline that verse. Take every thought captive to Christ. Take every thought captive captive to Christ. Hold those thoughts that are against the kingdom of God and against Jesus. Hold those thoughts. Take them captive. Take them captive. We can't always control the thoughts that we have. You know, if we're honest, there are some things that we think that is just, they're just, just messed up thoughts. Some, some thoughts that come into our minds that are messed up about ourselves, about other people, about, you know, different things in this world. We get some, some messed up thoughts, and we can't always control the thoughts that enter our minds, but we can control what thoughts we hold on to. 
you know, the thing that is so liberating is that not every thought that we have is true. Just because we think it doesn't mean it's true. Because we have a good shepherd who speaks to us, but we also have an enemy who speaks as well. And so what Paul says is take those thoughts captive. I'm going to ask my son Zane to come up and and help me with this. Give him a round of applause. How are you doing, bud? Good. I got to be aware, don't I? <laughs> so this is my son, Zane. So often when I think of this phrase, uh, take every thought captive, I, I don't think of it. Captive is not like a passive thing. It's not a light thing. It's not like, okay, I'm just going to take that thought captive. No, when I think of, of captive, I think of uh, capture the flag, so if Zane and I were playing capture the flag and running around and I, I, I captured him, would I take him captive by going, all right, come with me? No, if I did that, this little squirrely guy would get out of my grips and continue to run. I think of captive is, is what I do with him. There's some nice hair going on, bud. I, um, I think of what captive is, is what I do with him when we're in the house. I don't just like touch him like this and say, okay, like come with me. No, I like grab him and then sometimes like throw him to the ground. I grab him, I take him captive and I don't let him out of my grips. And I think this is the picture that the Lord wants us to have when it comes to thoughts that are against him. We take those thoughts captive, we, we hold on to them and then it goes on and says, and we make them obedient to Christ. See, one of the things with capture the flag, I can take them you know, captive, I can hold on to them, but then I think of a prisoner of war, and I think of what happens with a captive. It's not just holding on to them tightly, it's not just bringing them with you. It's interrogating, and it's asking questions, where did you come from? Why were you sent? Because one of the things that the enemy uses in our lives to get into our brain, the thoughts that we think... The reason they're sent is to get us from doing the things that God has called us to do. Because if you step out, if you, God has called you to do something, we heard it a couple weeks with a testimony with Tanya Bybee. She stepped out to do something, and all of a sudden, boom, there's an attack, and she got headaches. If you step out to do something that the Lord has called you to do, I know very full well that the enemy is going to attack. And where he attacks me and where he attacks so many is in our thoughts, and so you look at him and you say, you know what, where are you coming from? Oh, this attack, this thought is from the enemy. I'm going to take this captive and I'm going to tell you where to go with that thought. See, so often, many of us are letting our thoughts lead us instead of us leading them. See, Zane is my son. And imagine, let me see your hand, bud. Imagine the picture if he was leading me. You'd be like, that's a silly picture. I mean, he's seven, and he's leading me. But so often, that's what happens with our thoughts. We let thoughts that are a lot smaller than us, because Christ is in us, lead us. No, I am his dad, and I have every authority to say, no, son, you're coming this way. And so I can take him captive and tell him where to go. All right, bud, go back to mom. Give him a round of applause. I think that is so, such a gift that Scripture gets, gives us. That picture of taking our thoughts 
captive. Taking them captive. Because this is something that we have to engage in on a regular basis. Just yesterday, I was engaged in a battle of my mind. I was doing some things around the house. And the thought after thought came into my mind. All of a sudden, there was a bunch of anger and a bunch of rage that was building up inside of me. And I kept saying, well, God, this isn't fair. This has happened in this person's life, and this has happened in this person's life. And then all of a sudden, halfway through like what I was doing, I'm like, where's this thought coming from? Oh, it's coming from the enemy. And I remembered this verse. I'm like, I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm going to hold on to that, and I'm not going to allow that thought to hold on to me. What are you doing with your thoughts? What thoughts have you allowed to take you captive for so many years? And there are, I believe, some thoughts that you have been thinking for a long time, things that are deep down in your soul that aren't of the Lord, and they have held you captive. And I believe the Lord wants to bring freedom to you today. If we're to hold these thoughts captive, if we're to take them you know, and hold them close and reject them, what thoughts are we supposed to think about? What is supposed to fill our minds? Why don't you turn to Philippians 4? Starting at verse 6. Paul says, don't worry about anything. <laughs> I always laugh at that verse. Don't worry about anything. Yeah, okay, Paul, thanks. <laughs> Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I think in there are two key things that we need to be thinking about at all times. First of all, we need to be talking with the Lord constantly. I think Paul really meant this when he said, talk, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Have a conversation, an ongoing conversation with the God of the universe. This is one of the gifts, the amazing gifts that we have, that we can talk to the God of the universe, the one who not only created us, the one who not only knows every uh, part of our beings, but the one who saved us through his son, Jesus. Talk to him. Now, I think so often when we think about this, when we read that verse, pray about everything, that we have to go into our, our closets and, and, and hunker down and pray about everything. And there is a time to be in a prayer closet and to pray, like just really go after it in prayer. But this is how it looks like for me. I can be driving the car, my car, eyes wide open, and just saying, God, I got this going on in my life. I need your wisdom. I need your help. I, need, I, I have this, you know, this thing that I'm struggling with. I need you to speak into it. I often wonder what people think about when they, they pass me and there's nobody else in the car, and I'm just, my mouth is moving. Like, that dude's talking to himself. No. They don't know I'm talking to the, the king of the universe. I mean, this is a, such an amazing gift that we have, that we in everything can, can lay our hearts before the Lord, to, to, to talk with him about everything. And what is the promise? The promise is that as we do that, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is a military term that he's going to guard our hearts and give us peace. Peace to our minds, peace to our souls. But the second thing that we have to do, not only pray about everything, not just ask about everything, but with thanksgiving. Live a life of worship. 
Live a life of thanksgiving. This is one of the most powerful tools that you and I have. To, to live a life of worship saying, God, you are absolutely amazing. Reminded of the story in Acts 16. There Paul is, is in prison. And he's thrown into prison um, because, you know, for sharing the gospel. And at midnight, when they're in chains and they're, they're shackled to one another, at midnight they start singing and worshiping. And they just worship and worship and worship. And as they are singing, all of a sudden there is an earthquake and their chains fall off. Here's the thing that I have learned. Our chains or our worries can break our worship or our worship can break our chains. See, what do you do? Like Paul was in the midst of prison, and he's not complaining and crying out to God, why did you put me here? No, he engages in a lifestyle of worship and thanksgiving and saying, I'm just going to worship in the midst of this horrible situation. And it brought so much freedom. One of the things that Daniel has done, and I encourage you to use it, he's created a Spotify playlist of all of the worship songs that we sing here at Moran Park. I would invite you to to hop onto Spotify and, and join that playlist there's a link on our website. If you're wondering, like, how to worship or what do I need to fill my mind with, just click that sucker on play and just allow those songs to minister to you and engage in that lifestyle of worship. It's one of the most powerful tools that we have been given. And Paul says, this is what I want you to do. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. And then he goes on to say, this is what I want you to think about. Verse 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, and keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. We have to allow our minds to be consumed, to be obsessed with things that are of the Lord. See, when we get a glimpse of the glory of God, when we see God doing works in people's lives, those are the things that we have to put on repeat in our minds over and over and over again. That's the loop that needs to be playing in our mind over and over and over again. And God says, at that, if when we do that, the God of peace will fill us. And this is how we engage in spiritual battle. This is how I engage in this type of warfare, the battle of my mind, is reminding myself, greater is he who is in me than the one who is in the world that I am more than a conqueror through Christ, that nothing can ever separate me from his love. That's what I have to be reminding myself. I have to be transforming my mind by focusing on those truths that we find in Scripture. And that's why Scripture is so important, because that is rock solid and true. I want to invite Patrick White to come up here. I was talking to Pat this week, and he shared with me a testimony of, of how God has worked in his life regarding this. And I was talking to him and listening to him, and then I asked the question that Britton also asks, hey, do you want to share uh, this with Moran Park? And he said he would love to, so give Patrick a round of applause. So Patrick, I want to ask you to to share a little bit of the the struggle that you have had with your thoughts and your mind. Yeah, so... um, so let me preface it with earlier this week, I got a text from Dave, and I immediately knew what was going to happen moving <laughs> forward. And even Stacy was like, no, 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 no. He just wanted to, he told me he just wanted to pick your brain just for a few minutes. Um, 
and uh, and then it would be good, and I knew better. So it was, he, so. It was her fault, because I talked to her first, and she's yeah, like, you need yeah. to talk to Patrick. So, no, talk to, talk to him. So um, here I am. But, um, yeah, you know what? It, um, I'll try to make this as quick as I can, but seven years ago, blissfully unaware, young family, everything's going great, um, and I was going to bed one night, and immediately just thought, I'm going to die right now. Couldn't breathe, heart pounding, sweating, had no idea what was happening to me. Um, and it was scary. And it, it turned out it was a, just a, what, a panic attack, an anxiety attack that I didn't know. I had no way to frame that. But um, that began a journey of a battle in my mind to kind of fight what was coming into my mind and, um, you know, got over that. That was actually when I came to Christ. Um, that was kind of the, in the act of, of desperation of saying, man, I cannot figure this out on my own. And uh, it turns out there's a God who, who says, I know what you're going through and I've beat it. Come and listen to what I have to say about it. And uh, that, that was a turning point in my life. Um, a lot of healing, a lot of back and forth, this, that, and the other thing. And then about six months ago, um, it, it, you know, just circumstances in my life were starting to overwhelm me. And um, it was those same kinds of things coming back and then kind of coming out in like physical symptoms of being afraid of literally everything in my life. Every thought that I had um, was worst case scenario in every aspect. And, and I, I call it the what-if game. So it's like, you know, somebody might tell me something that's going on in their life. And then I say in my head, well, what if that was me? What, what if this was going on? What if that was going on? What if this? What, uh, you know, and you just, it runs. And so it's kind of speaking to what Dave was talking about, is that not every thought that comes into your head is, is your own. Um, a lot of times it's not your own. And, and what I've been learning is that, is the fact that not every thought is my own, and, and what does that look like to um, take that captive? So, yes, yeah, so why don't you ahead. share about that, like those thoughts when they, they come into your mind that aren't of the Lord, and Paul says, take those thoughts captive to obey Christ. What does mm -hmm. that look like for you? What have you learned about that? Yeah, so I am, um, I like to call myself a lifetime student in my head, but when something's going on and I don't understand it, I want to know everything about it. So I'm on Amazon, I'm buying books, I'm listening to sermons, I, like over and over I'm listening to all this stuff and I was put on to a couple, um, uh, an author who deals with a lot of this, who is a, a neuroscientist and, um, was, and also a Christian. And it, throughout that book it was tying everything back to the truths of what God has. Um, you know, God tells us, take every thought captive. Uh, do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed through the renewal of your mind. And so she has, this, this author has dedicated her life to proving the Bible true with science. And that is, that's what's happening now, is like the way that our brains work, all these chemicals, all these different things that are happening in there are malleable, can be changed. 
And we as humans, I was telling Davis when we were talking, we as humans have the ability to think about our thoughts. There's no other creature on this earth that has the ability to step outside of your brain and, and look at what you're thinking about and then think about that thing. Like we have multi-layer, <laughs> it's crazy in here. Like, I mean, to think about these elements just floating around in your brain, all with purpose, all with design by the God who made it all. And to be able to step outside of yourself and say, whoa, what is that thought? And then um, I've been learning is like through prayer is like focusing on that one thought and then asking the Lord, what, do, what is this and what do I do about it? Just like Dave was saying. Um, and so that's kind of what I've been doing is, is thinking, you know, a thought pops into my head and then I am kind of a visual person, so I, I, when I see a thought, I actually visualize like encompassing that thought and like putting it in a bubble in my head. That's the picture that goes in my head. And then like squeezing that thought and shrinking that thought. And, and science is catching up to the fact that that's actually what we're doing when you do those things. Um, Can you give an example yeah. of that? Yeah, of, of that. So um, for me, I've been working through this thought of, of fear, right? And it's, you know, how many of us know that, that a symptom that we feel or a behavior that we um, display is not, it's not completely impulse, right? It's a thought that we allow to grow. And so when we allow a non-positive thought or a fearful thought, and we allow it room to run, it will grow. It's like putting water or gas on a fire. It will grow. And then it will come out in some other way that we don't necessarily understand. So for me, a lot of times, it's physical symptoms of feeling like I can't breathe, feeling like heart's racing, that, those kinds of things. But now I know that my body is fine, okay? My body is fine. It's, it's a thought that I allowed to grow. And so now it's, I encompass that thought, and then I replace it with the truth of God. Yeah. Um, and, and very practically speaking, for me, um, I read the Bible, but I have not memorized the thing. And so I carry around um, what I call truth cards, and I, I have them right here. And so I t if that kind of stuff happens, I pop this thing out, and I read it. And I'm telling you right now, if you watched me at work, if you watched me throughout the day, it's a hundred times a day sometimes I'm pulling this thing out. But what's happening is that I am renewing my mind. And, and we can all do that through his word and his truth. So that's what has been, um, that's kind of what I've been doing is, is getting you know, I, I like to exercise, so I think of it in terms of reps, right? Or in terms of practice, my, my kids are, are starting soccer, and, you know, it's kind of like, well, I just, I just want to play the games. I don't, you know, I don't want to go to the practices or anything like that. And it's like, no, man, you have to get reps to get better at it. You know, we yeah. talked about this a couple of weeks ago when hearing the voice of God. 
or, or walking into spiritual gifts. Like, we're not just going to do it. Like, you've got, you have a role in it. You've got to, um, to work at it, to, to get reps in it. And so I'm getting rep after rep after rep, sometimes hundreds of times a day. And, and then there are days where there's, there's freedom in that. That's awesome. And so I hold that well, and I build on it. Why don't you talk about that freedom? What uh, fruit has <coughs> this type of behavior produced in your life? Um, you know, it, and this is a daily struggle. It's not saying all of a sudden, boom, on this day you're done, you know, and the rest of your life is going to be, you know, easy in, in this regard. Um, but you have experienced some fruit. In this yeah, area. There, there has been um, tremendous freedom um, that I have experienced through doing this. And, um, you know, I listened to a, a sermon and it was talking about kind of this topic and renewing your mind and capturing every thought and the freedom that comes of it. And it's kind of like, you know what? There's sometimes, like I was saying, there, there I'll have a day where it's like, man, this is really good. I'm fully present with the people I'm talking with. I'm present with my kids. I'm experiencing life to, to, with joy and feeling the joy. Um, and, and then maybe the next morning I wake up and I'm a little shaky and I'm kind of like, oh, what is this? And it's like, you had a great day yesterday. Who's to say you can't have a great day today? Um, and, and so it's, it's finding hope in that, right? Um, all this kind of anxiety, panic stuff, it is 100% of the time temporary, right? Although, I, you know, I can say that when you're in the midst of something like that, it feels very not temporary, you know? And the question you always ask, and I, I've, my wife has heard me say it a bunch of times, like, man, what if this is it for me? What if I feel like this forever? It's never that way. It's never that way. Um, and that's because we have a Lord who works all things out for our good. And he says, I'm not going to leave you here, man. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you, but you got to look to me. you got to look to me. You can't figure this out on your own. And, and that's hard. That's taken some humility on my part to say, like, I, you know, I can fix this. I can fix this. I can, you know, do this. Or, you know, if I, if I just play this game on my phone, <laughs> I'll be distracted and I won't be thinking of that. No. Look to me. Look to me. Look to my truth and, and go into that. Um, so what would you, how would you encourage Moran Park, uh, you know, because there's, I know there's people here that, that struggle with thoughts. Yeah. Um, how would you encourage them? What would be their first step? Yeah, I think, you know, that in, in thinking about this, I, you know, I wanted to be like, okay, can you put a timer for an hour? Because I'm just going to roll here. But the, the idea of hope and understanding it, it, not just in a headspace and not just lip service of somebody saying like, or, you know, how Dave was saying, um, you know, if you're having bad thoughts and somebody who's not experiencing what you're experiencing say, well, just don't think about that. That's really hard, yeah. you know, because you don't know what's going on in here. So that's really difficult. But to understand how much God loves you Right? I've heard it said that fear is faith in the wrong thing. And it, that really resonates with me. Um, and so it's where do we put our faith? And sometimes, like, you know, I think I have a pretty practical thought process. And so sometimes when I hear a lot about 
the spiritual part of stuff, I get lost. And I'm like, yeah, but, but I'm struggling, like, right this second. Like, what, you know, I need something to grab. And what, what I need to grab is how much God loves me. He loves me. And because he loves me, I sit in a place of victory because he loves me, not because of anything that I can do or have done. It's because he loves me that I sit there. And so that gives me hope. And another kind of phrase that I, I repeat a lot is what you cultivate dominates. Okay, and, and what that means to me is that I was, a quick story, I was, I've been taking these walks where I work, and I, we work, I work right, um, our clinic is by a lake, um, and there's this really cool little neighborhood, it's like a 10 minute walk, and I've been walking it every day at lunch, and just talking to the Lord every day at lunch, and saying, you know, just come with me, man, let's, let's do this, and one day, I was walking and it was, the sun was shining and there was a breeze coming and I was just struck by the beauty and the love that he was showing me in that place. Even though my body felt tense, he was showing me his love in that moment. And I had clarity with what you cultivate dominates. Because I said, man, how do I get joy? How do I get that? And it was what you cultivate dominates. If you think about joy, if you think about happiness, if you think about those things, that shrinks the negative thought in your head. Awesome. And, and that is what, it was just kind of like, oh, I have a role in this. I have to physically think positively to, to have that come out. Um, all right, real quick story, real quick story. <laughs> So, there, <laughs> this, this goes back to hope, right, and, and understanding what hope is and what it can do for us and what it's doing for me in my life and in my head um, is there was a research study done, um, and again, this is kind of science catching up to faith, but there was a research study done with, with rats, and I, I, I love animals, I do. Um, but in this particular story, some don't make it. And um, so they did a research study with rats, okay? And they, they took some rats and they, they put them in a tub of water. And then, they, um, and then they saw how long they could swim before they drowned. A couple of them, right, they put some in a, in a jar or whatever. 15 minutes, they tread water until they, until they sank. Okay, then they took another group, that was the control group, then they took the other group, and they, right before, so like right around 15 minutes when they saw them really struggling and about to sink under, they rescued them, took them out, and then they let them recover for five minutes, let them recover for five minutes, then they put them back in the water. 16 hours, they tread water, and their whole I'm shaking thinking just about that because five minutes they recovered. They were about to go under. They rescued them. Let them recover for five minutes. How many of you know if you fully extend yourself, five-minute recovery is not a lot of recovery? And then they put them back in 16 hours. And the conclusion of that being is that 
those researchers gave those mice a view of being rescued. They gave them hope. They freaking gave them hope yeah. just from rescuing them in that moment, and then they could endure. I, I don't do math, but however many yeah. times that okay. is, like they gave them hope. And so there is hope in that. And so it, it's very practically, it's talking to other people, expressing to them what, what is going on in here. Sometimes just verbalizing it is saying, wow, that, that does not sound right. You know, even myself, talking to myself, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't line up. Talking to someone, getting help when you need it, um, and understanding that it is temporary and that there is hope in that, right? Thanks, Pat. Give him a round of applause. I want, I want to invite uh, prayer teams to come forward. I want to invite the uh, worship team to come up. Um, and I want you to hear what Pat was saying. There's hope. There, there's hope. Yeah, it, the amazing thing, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes we can have some messed up thinking that, thinking that the, the, the Lord is bringing you know, some things into our life. No, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is out against you. He wants to get you into a situation of hopelessness. But that verse goes on to say, Jesus says, but I have come so that you might have life and have it abundantly. I know there are people here today that you have been wrestling through some very dark thoughts. And we want to offer an opportunity for you to receive prayer. For you to do exactly what Patrick was saying, to, to, to share those with somebody, to have them pray over you, to have them speak truth into your life. And maybe you might be a little uh, nervous to come forward, and you know, that's fine, but these people are nice people. Um, but maybe speak to one another. Maybe you have a friend that you're here with, hey, I've been struggling with this thought, and you're going to share that with that person, and then you guys can pray together in your pews, in your seats. Go ahead, and that, that's totally fine. But I you know, I know that there is a battle over our minds. We hear about it in the news. We hear stories of, of horrible things that have happened. And I know there's a battle over our minds, and the Lord wants to bring hope. And so maybe you have some very dark thoughts. I would even say suicidal thoughts. There is hope and there is healing for you today. Um, I want to encourage you to come forward for prayer. Um, maybe if you have a thought that, that you want to step out in faith, but there's a worry about money and finances associated with that, like, I'm, I'm not going to have enough, you know, I would encourage you to receive prayer for that today. Um, yeah, let's go into a time of worship, and if you have any words, feel free to come forward to the prophecy seats up here, prophecy seats, and, and they'll weigh that too. Let's stand and continue to worship.